I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why, hello, and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Jack Butlands to my Thomas Sorensen. It's Justin Peach. Does that make sense? It does, with the fact that Jack Butland's form this season has gone off a cliff, and his career's over at the age of 26. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> uh, well, Thomas Sorensen is a Stoke legend, and always will be. Uh, well, I can't argue with that, can I? No, absolutely not. We're here today to talk about the midweek games from the Championship. It's been another interesting week and we'll start off at the top of the table where we find Leeds United. Can anyone stop Leeds after they beat Brentford 1-0 through Eddie Nketiah? Absolutely. Okay, tell me more. Um, Tell me more about this mysterious theory. I don't know, I I dived into that answer quite quickly. (laughs) 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 No, it was a... It's, it's a game where Leeds could have won by more. They had a lot of chances. Um, Brentford were reduced to, I think, what, they hit the post? They hit the post in the first half through Embremo. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, that's pretty much all they had. And that's that's a huge surprise from a Brentford team. Whether or not Leeds' game plan um, pushed Brentford back, I doubt that's the case, just because Brentford's sort of style of play seems to have shifted a lot this season to a defensive approach. Yeah, They've been more solid defensively, mm-hmm. yeah. but that has affected how well they have yeah. been going going forward. Um, I think I saw a stat earlier that Kiko Xia completed more passes than any Brentford player, which might not surprise <laughs> you. I, I think this was kind of a similar game to the Leeds-Forest game mm-hmm. we saw a couple of weeks ago in the way that Forest sat back and just yeah. soaked up everything that Leeds threw at them. Mm-hmm. And Brentford nearly did throughout this whole game until I'd say a defensive kind of hiccup where Enketia was left free in the box and was left free to score Uh, it was a fairly straightforward goal for Leeds but then again they did create a lot more chances um, which isn't really a surprise it's just that case of if they start putting them away consistently they'll be recognised as a force again but bear in mind we're five games in that four games in Four games in. Four games in. That was the fifth game last night. It's fourth. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, but sticking with Leeds for a sec, um, as we, as I say, it's the second time we've seen a team who are capable of getting a point by playing the normal way against Leeds mm-hmm. sit back and defend and try and grind out a point. Yeah. I feel like this will work eventually for quite a few teams this season. Maybe as the season goes on. I think over over the course of the season, Leeds are going to find a way through teams that play like that because Forest have done it well so far. That was the first instance. 
Bristol City didn't really manage it at all. Um, there was just too many pockets of space for, well, Hernandez, Bamford sneaking in the front post to get that goal. Leeds are going to find a way around that this season because they I think almost any team that goes to Wyndham Road is going to try and play like that. No one's tried it the other way yet. I.e., you press them. Um, it's not always yet. A, not yet. No. And if you do, you might get smashed. <laughs> well, I thought Brentford would do that, but clearly not. Uh, which is a surprise but then again they now have the personnel to be able to sit back they nearly ground out the result if it it wasn't for a slight lapse in concentration at the back yeah the thing that keeps sticking in my mind is that it's easier to forget that even though Leeds didn't get promoted last season they started like a house on fire and they've done the same this season It'll be interesting to see whether they keep it up as the season goes on. Uh, Bellaby on Twitter says, Despite all my Twitter feed being moaning Leeds fans about our transfer business being terrible, we have players on the bench that can come on and make a difference. And we saw that with Eddie Nketiah. We said uh, on Sunday that it's going to be an interesting battle to see who plays in the next few games between him and Patrick Bamford. If you were Marcello Bielsa going into the game at the weekend, who would you go for at the moment? Because... Get the feeling we're not the biggest fans of Bamford, but he has mm. scored quite a few goals. Now you say this that the the goal at Bristol and the goals at Wigan sort of twisted my thinking a little bit on Bamford being that he's in the right place at the right time. His impact off the ball has improved. Um, just rewinding to last season, Bielsa very rarely got the chance to play the two up top um, just because of injuries to to both Roof and Bamford at the wrong times. I think perhaps he might try that a couple of times over the course of this season, especially when you've got teams that are going to sit back at Ellen Road. Mm. Interesting. Well, let's talk Brentford then. Uh, Jason on Twitter says, The defence is better. We used to be an exciting attacking team. Now we are dog shit. To the point. To the point. <laughs> Defensively again, as I say, Brentford looked solid. Yeah. And it was just that one hiccup, really. And going forward is the problem. They're the current lowest scorers in the division so far. It's not what you expect. Which is, it's nuts. They were yeah. the top scorers outside of the top six last season. I think I think it'll start to click eventually. As I say, it's it's quite a traumatic loss to their attacking lineup when you lose Mope because it's the cohesion they had as a front three between Watkins, Mope and um, Benrahma. As I say, it's a big loss and they're slowly starting to fill the void. Ben Rama's still yet to come in. Yeah, that's right. So, stick it out. I think the goals will start to come. Yeah, I, I get the feeling <clears throat> that, and I'm not just saying this because I'm such a big fan of Ben <laughs> Rama, but I feel like when he's fully fit, yeah. he could really spark Brentford into life. Yeah. And we might see the team that we were expecting at the start of the season. But so far, we definitely haven't seen it. Let's move on to QPR 1, Swansea 3, Bersanchelina. Boya Baston again. And Sam Surridge got on the score mm-hmm. sheet. It's another win for the Swans. Absolutely. He's, he's doing a, it's a great job for Steve Cooper. We said it um, at the weekend how how well we thought, obviously, how, you know, it's quite obvious he started well, but how well he's, took, he's taken to the Swansea team, losing some big players. Um, some players that have come back from loan spells abroad, um, and they've, they've some players we completely forgot about. Yeah, and they've come straight in, absolutely torn it apart. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, uh, well, I, Swansea are at the moment joint top with Leeds, the only ones keeping pace mm-hmm. with Leeds at the moment. But I do have to say, I think Swansea have been a bit lucky 
so far this season. They are the top scorers in the division so far, but yeah. in terms of expected goals going forward, they're only better than seven or so other teams in the league. And that won't carry on if they keep performing at this rate. Mm-hmm. However, I definitely put them in the race for the playoffs because at the moment there is this weird kind of table where, even though it's not happened yet, we've got Leeds and Fulham at the top and maybe West Brom mm-hmm. in like the three teams I look at and think yeah. they'll be in the top six this season. And then there's eight or so teams yeah, yeah, yeah. who you look at who think they could challenge for the top mm-hmm. six this season. It's very open this Absolutely. season, it's got to be said. Yeah. And there's still not certain that, you know, Leeds, Fulham or West Brom mm-hmm. might be the two who finish in the top two. Yeah. Well, what's what's Swansea's start been like? I know they, they won on the opening day against Hull. Mm. Nil-nil against Derby. Well, they've um, won every other game. And the, yeah, they've won every other game. Have they have they been challenged yet by a, by a top top team? I know they played Derby, but Derby again one of them teams that are f- in a transition. Yeah, it's a fair point. They haven't particularly played anyone too testing apart from maybe Derby. So I'd say we have to kind of wait until they have more stern yeah. tests mm-hmm. because they didn't create too much against Derby. No. So, yeah, it's something to keep a look at. But, as well, I say, yeah. Boya Baston with another goal. <sighs> I'm starting to fall in love with him. <laughs> I love number nines who score goals. He's oh, I think everybody does. As well. That's not swayed me, the scoring goals has, but... And then so, his looks. And then, you know, a little bit, a <laughs> little bit more from there. But, you know, you want your number nine to score goals and McBurney did it, you know, perfectly last season the way he linked up play they might have lost a bit of that this season but what they've got in Baston is a proper um, poacher number nine good at holding the ball up good at scoring goals in the box good on the turn in the box that's what you need yeah and Swansea are probably one of the most likeable teams in the division aren't they because they've got you know players you completely forget about you've got all these young exciting players in the side as well and of course, they play nice football, so yeah. what's not to like about Swansea at the moment? Let's talk QPR then, because James on Twitter says, it's another game where individual errors and not being clinical enough in front of goal have cost us. Not time to panic yet, though. No, their performances haven't been terrible, mm. but they haven't been spectacular. It seems, have they, did they peak at the Stoke performance at the first game of the season? That's what it sounds like. In terms of in terms of being clinical and uh, possession and starting you know and style of playing that game, that was very high praise for QPR, but they haven't quite hit that sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for motion yeah. in other games. Yeah, well they, they've only won one game so mm-hmm. far this season, exactly. and it's quite weird because even though they have only won one game, I've been thinking to myself, all oh, QPR are doing actually all right yeah. this season, but. You know, that's it's points of what matter at the end of the day, isn't it? Not performances, absolutely. Um, but then again, at the start of the season, you want your performances to be there, yeah. Um, but I think at, at the start of the season, there is a sort of um, a bit of give with um, individual mistakes because players are rusty, they're coming back. Um, so you hope that they start to be ironed out throughout the season. But at QPR last season, there was quite a lot of mistakes that cost them games mm. uh, and cost them goals and as I say they, they need to be ironed out early especially if their aspirations are to be mid-table 
or higher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I say, the performances have been all right. They probably could have got at least a point here. Uh, so mm-hmm. that'll be a big disappointment for Mark Warburton. But um, performances are similar to that of a mid-table team, as you say. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be said, this isn't a betting show, but they are playing Wigan at home at the weekend. Back it. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Fulham for Millwall nil. Just after we've been praising Millwall's defence, they go and let four in. <laughs> I don't know what their game plan was. Well, we'll get, we'll get on to Millwall in a sec. Let's um, give Fulham the praise they deserve. Absolutely. Because they nearly broke the completed passing stats here. Yes, absolutely ridiculous. Nearly completed a thousand passes, which is insane. For a, for a second tier team yeah. who have just come down from the Premier League and played terribly in the Premier League. That's that's a ridiculous stat. Absolutely. And Tim Ream completed more passes than any other player has in a single game so far this season. But the headline here is the front three. The Holy Trinity. It's always going to be. The, the three musketeers. Three. They all scored. And it seems like the individual quality of this front three might be all Fulham need this season. <laughs> we said... The potential of this front three completely shifted our expectation of Fulham. Oh, absolutely. When they signed Cavalieri, that made us, you know, get a bit interested out of our seat. Then Knockout came in and bang, we're up. It's it was it was an unreal um sort of I guess week for Fulham because to get Cavalieri and then Knockout, which is exactly what they needed, was perfect. And then Harry Arter coming in just to snip in the midfield, um, some absolute coops there for Fulham. Yeah. And it's got to be said, Harry Arter, that bit of business might have gone under the radar for anyone yeah. who possibly doesn't yeah. follow championship football, but he's been a great bit of business. Hasn't yeah, he? well, he was Cardiff's best player last season. I know they got relegated, but in a two-man midfield, sorry, two-man central midfield, you know, they're playing 4-4-2, his role as a ball-winning midfielder and being box-to-box and whatnot is so important. And in this Fulham team where as soon as you lose possession, you want to win it back and give it to your creative players he's perfect absolutely perfect absolutely I've raised my doubts about Scott Parker and whether he can get Fulham to bounce back up well at the uh, first time of asking because it is a really tough thing to do into even for an experienced manager let alone someone who's in their first mm-hmm. full season but when you've got a front three like that that helps it's, it's a cheat code really isn't it? it's a bit of a cheat code yeah. yeah it helps it is worth pointing out though that even though Fulham have started so well, they only lost on the first day of the season and mm. blew teams away since then. They haven't had the toughest of starts. Let's, well, you look at me, look at me like that, but Millwall, Huddersfield, Blackburn and Barnsley. It's not particularly testing, is it? I mean, how many of them could you see in finishing the top half of the season based on their performances it's, so it's far? It's a fairly good argument, but then at the start of the season you think that, but then you... Get to four games in, you look at Millwall's record, they haven't lost a game up until now. Their defence has been solid. Really solid. And they've been dangerous at the usual set pieces, long balls, free kicks. So I'm not, I'm not saying that means Fulham yeah. aren't performing well, because they can only beat who's in front of them. No, exactly. But the next three games are a much bigger test. Forest, Cardiff, West Brom. But this is the that's, moment that's tricky. This is the momentum you want going into that game. The, the next the next who are they playing next, right? Forest, Cardiff, West Brom. So Forest are going to look at Fulham's stats and go, Christ, they keep the ball well. And then they're going to see the goals and go, how are we going to stop this? Yeah. But it's- at the same time, you could look at their defence, which, even though they haven't conceded in this game, 
we all know can be shaky. True. But they kept out the Millwall team, which I know they don't create a lot of chances, but you've got That's to not saying much. You've, 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 <laughs> got to, you've got to defend well, especially at set pieces and long balls and the counter attack against Millwall. Obviously, having 89% possession helps. So they can only control the game from that aspect. That's going to alleviate the pressure on the back yeah. four. It's just going to be interesting to see how Fulham do in these next few yeah. games because so far we don't know what's going to happen when someone really goes at them. But let's talk Millwall then, even though Millwall have been smashed here. It's not the end of the world because I think they won't be the only team to get dicks at Craven Cottage this season. No. It's worth pointing out Matt Smith had a really big chance when they are only 2-0 down and that could very easily change the game. So while the scoreline is disappointing, they still put in a half-decent performance. Did you watch the same game? Well, what I'm saying <laughs> is that they did create chances where you know other teams who were mentioned in this in this very podcast mm. have been quite comfortably beaten and not really put up much of a fight. So while the scoreline is 4-0 and there's no argument against that, Millwall weren't completely atrocious. <sighs> I, I you got to move on. <laughs> no, <laughs> as I say, for a team to have eight to nine percent possession, well, this is that's how Millwall play. No, I we've get seen that. plenty of teams this season who have won games, even though they've lost the possession. Yeah, but they, they've also conceded four goals in the process. There, there's got to be a point where you think, how are we going to get back into this? We've got to put pressure on the the front men or the midfield men ever so slightly. They didn't do that. 11% possession it's I can't there's no words for it that's a, that's a poor performance and if you play away like that throughout the season you are asking for trouble ok well we'll have to see uh, let's move on to Preston 3 Stoke 1 Bradley Johnson Bradley Johnson Daniel Johnson <laughs> uh, Billy Bowden and Josh Harp with the goals let's talk Stoke first because Jack Butland is having an absolute mare this season what are you talking about he was at fault for the first two goals. What do you mean by talking about? <laughs> he was at fault for the first two goals. And we're talking about an England goalkeeper. Yeah. We can't forget yeah, this. Yeah. We're talking about someone, I don't know when the last time he was in the England squad, but he can't have been too long ago. No. And he's in his prime. He was linked with the move to the Premier League. It is worth saying that Nathan Jones has said he's considering dropping him because he thinks Butland might be unsettled because of talk about his future. And yeah. do you think that's probably... The reason why it's the only explanation I can think of. I nailed uh, nailed Jones. Nathan Jones nailed it in his um, his post match um, interview. He was obviously seething because, as he as he's rightly pointing out, they they're on they're not 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 on top in, in games, but they need a game where they can get the first goal, um, and he can't legislate for the mistakes other players are making like Joe Allen's misplacing passes which you wouldn't have expected three or four years ago and missed from a yard out against Derby exactly um, and the, the the goals that Jack Butland uh, conceded the worst keeper in this league will not concede a goal like that two goals like that yes I was trying to help him out a bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, they, you can't you can't there's no excuse for them where's your head at mm. you know is it at Stoke or is it somewhere else? We don't want to speculate, obviously, but... But could that come down to the manager not having, I don't know, the respect of the players or something like that? No, no, no. I I, I, doubt, I don't think that because Jack Butland was there last season and for a large part of it, he was pivotal in that run of clean sheets. 
I don't. I don't. What's I don't he think looking that's for a move, though. <laughs> I'm su- I am surprised no one's come in for him, but I doubt anyone's going to come in after that. I, I, I disagree. I think he might, might still get a move, but it might be at a cheaper price than Stoker expected. Just get rid. <laughs> yeah, and we spoke at the weekend, I think, or at least a yeah. couple of weeks ago, about him whether Adam Davis should come in, and it looks like he might actually be getting a chance. I hope so. I like yeah, him. You love him, don't you? <laughs> uh, well, we've said that Stoke have been unlucky so far this season. They've had loads of chances, but just mm-hmm. haven't put them away. It is just one point so far this mm. season for Nathan Jones. And, you know, they can't keep being unlucky. And it's worth pointing out that one bookie is already offering odds on who's going to be the next Stoke manager. Disgraceful. It is a bit disrespectful, I suppose, isn't it? But um, Tony Pulis is favourite. <laughs> He'll be a... No, you don't want that. <laughs> no... <laughs> I'll, I'll pack this podcast in if Pulis is back in a second here. Not worth reporting on. I am always ready for a bit of Tony Pulis action in my life. Not if I'm watching the whole game, but I mean, talking about it <laughs> is always the, fun. Can watch the highlights. Yeah. Um, the, the funny thing is as well, um, we were just talking about how good Leeds are. It's Stoke at home to Leeds this weekend. This will either be a case of Stoke getting smashed by Leeds or coming away with it <laughs> with this, something. This has got 1-0 Stoke written all over it, hasn't it? <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Preston then. Uh, Sam on Twitter says, excellent from North End, top football. Bauer and Davies so comfortable on the ball. High line held. Pearson Johnson Gallagher continued strong form. I think we were saying at the start of the mm-hmm. season, weren't we, that Bauer and Davies could be a really strong yeah. defensive partnership. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Dem, uh, Ben Davis has showed he's capable of being a good ball-playing left-sided defender, um, and Patrick Bauer, Christ, he heads everything. So that's that's a, a sort of a match made in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to add the cliche in there. Yeah, Preston didn't have too many chances in this game, as Godby said, which is why it's surprising it's ended 3-0, but it is three points at the end of the day. It helps when the opposition keeper throws it in the goal twice. That is true, that is true. And you think about it, <laughs> that is two goals and it would have ended one all yeah. if he hadn't have done them crazy. Uh, I might be a bit harsh, but I think he might have done, been able to do a bit better with the third goal as well. I'm being a bit harsh there. Let's move on. Uh, Preston have won both their home games so yeah. far and scored three goals in each game in the process, but lost all of their away matches. So it'll be interesting to see if their home form mm-hmm. and away form continues really. Yeah, it? It's a fair start for Preston. We know they start slow, as we've said many a times. Their home form is always key to them doing well. Um, I'm not surprised that they've won both their home games. I'm not surprised that they've scored three goals in each one of them in the process. They sharpen up the worry form. They can be dangerous. We know that. Um, but as I say at the moment, it's 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 good that other players that haven't necessarily I'd say done it in a sense, like Daniel Johnson. Preston fans were happy to let him go in the summer. Mm. Um, and Paul Gallagher is getting better as he gets older. And we're talking about two midfielders. I'm not counting Pearson because he's a different player to mm-hmm. Alan Brown. But they're keeping Alan Brown out of the team. Um, he was one of the yeah. standout players. Not just for Preston, probably in the championship last season. Yeah, definitely. It's it's not a I say not a surprise. It's, it's I guess not a surprise that the form of these players are keeping out those those sorts of players. And, the and goals, it's always good, isn't it, that they're keeping out someone who's of that quality? Yeah, absolutely. And they're scoring goals as well, which is always going to help. 
yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the two relegated sides then who met this week. It's Cardiff 2, Huddersfield 1, Joe Rawls and Junior Hoylett scoring both goals for Cardiff. This was mainly about the return of Lee Tomlin. <laughs> it's easy to forget how good he is because you do look at him, don't you? And you think this is the kind of guy. He's the kind of guy when you play five aside, right? You turn up <laughs> and you see him and you, you think, oh, but piss this. Be mustard. Yeah. Then five minutes later, he's nutmegging you repeatedly and on a double hatchery. Yeah, to be fair to him, he's he's, he's come back this summer. And it's been well publicised, well documented that he's got his um, sort of weight issues under control. He's come back quite lean, quite fit, and he's 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 come into that team as a number ten. Just come down from the Premier League. Expect some top quality. Expensive signing in there, and it's no, it's Lee Tomlin. No, and he had more. He had as many shots as any other player has had so far this season, yeah. which is impressive considering he's only just come back. Well, that's. I wouldn't say that's what Cardiff need, but that it's, it's definitely handy to have. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a creative player, and he's a good link up for sort of a deeper midfield for um, to the strikers. So that that sort of player is always going to help a team like Cardiff who can be viewed as a long ball team at times hmm. yeah that's fair uh, Ben on Twitter says Cardiff improved massively following Sunday's disaster in Reading Tomlin returned and was classy as ever we dominated shots and attack against Huddersfield and should have won by more I'm not surprised because Huddersfield are so poor at the moment but I think you might disagree but I think it's only a matter of time before Cardiff start the ball rolling because at the moment it's defensive areas that have let them down so far I think they have missed a bit of quality going forward and defensively they've probably not been as solid as we'd expect but yeah I mean a win like this is always a mm -hmm. good start to get the ball rolling let's talk Huddersfield because Colin Grant didn't score in this game which is disappointing considering he's scored in every game so far it should be law bound by law that only Colin Grant's allowed to score yeah absolutely and I mean we've spoken <laughs> at length about how important his goals have been for Huddersfield yeah. but it's it's been even more so this season Antic, considering he's pretty much the only one scoring yeah. until this game where Trevor Chalabar scored in what I think is his second or third game uh, for Huddersfield mm. now so he's good to see you know, someone else score for Huddersfield it's a relief <laughs> <laughs> Usually seeing Carl and Grant will away in celebration, but it's nice to see somebody else, different face. But Shalaba's got that quality, hasn't he? Where he's, he's he didn't play very advanced rips, which last season, but he was the standout player pretty much, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was. He was quality. Um, his Maybe ball the standard wasn't high at Ipswich, but <laughs> we'll let that slide. Yeah, but it's like a, a you know another cliche. I hate it. I'm gonna have to start thinking of some other ones. It was a Rolls Royce in that Ipswich team, yeah. and he's got that quality. He can bring that quality to Huddersfield, which they're going to need. Yeah. Because I think they're in a dogfight. Really? What relegation dogfight? Uh, yeah, I've had a, I've had a an epiphany. Uh, yeah, I guess um, <laughs> it's nothing to go on. But I was, uh, I was listening to a segment of Talk Sport, and Jason Cundy said they were the worst relegated team ever in the Premier League. Considering that Derby it's an team, argument. it is an argument, and teams don't recover from that straight away. It's taken Stoke, who were very poor. It's taken them. It's still taking them time to to um, transition and, and, and progress and they haven't done it yet I think it's going to take Huddersfield a lot longer because the money isn't there the the quality of players isn't there and they don't have an identity anymore 
I presume you mean when you say the qualities in there, with exceptions, because we're both it, big fans oh, of no, Colin yeah, Fanta, uh, Absolutely. Their, their recruitment last year in the Premier League has shafted them massively. Do you think the managerial situation leaves them a bit open to a potential relegation battle as well? Because uh, at the moment, Mark Hudson was in charge against Cardiff, and the indications seem to be he might be getting the job. But, you know, that's an inexperienced manager in charge of a side mm. who just can't get going at the moment. I think Huddersfield need a manager with a clear identity, a clear plan, which is obviously very vague. Um, but there are managers out there with it. You look at... Tony Pulis. Yes. He has a, <laughs> yeah, he, he has a blueprint. You can't have someone who... You need... It needs turning around completely, top to bottom. Losing Stuart Webber was obviously massive for Huddersfield. Um, and then Wagner, they, they lost their way um, massively, losing say, losing Wagner, sacking Wagner mutually, um, and then moving on to Seawork, which was a bad choice. Um, Mutual sacking. <laughs> I think, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Just going back to what you said about you think them being in a relegation battle, I'm not sure I can jump on that horse just yet. But... We we have got some poor teams in the championship mm-hmm. this season. Do you really think Huddersfield are amongst them? Not in terms of quality, but in terms of mentality. They're 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 going to struggle this season unless they sort the managerial situation out, which sounds a bit of a cop out from me, but as I say, they need a manager with a clear blueprint and a structure at the club that's going to solve recruitment, that's going to solve um, scouting, which is again quite vague. But they're just there's just a lot, there's just too much this season, I think. And parachute payments are just going to reduce and reduce. As we know, teams can fall away. Interesting. Well, we'll have to. We've got to move on. So, uh, otherwise, I'd love to keep talking about that because mm. it's a it's a massive shout from you. Uh, let's move on to then to Wednesday one Luton nil. Your boy Kadeem Harris with really, the goal. I was really happy when I saw him score. I was really pleased. I don't know why. Uh, ben on Twitter says uh, Wednesday were poor in the first half, um, but they were much better in the second half and are pressing from the front. Won us the game. Uh, Borner at the back was superb. Murphy and Harris always gave us an outlet. Will need a more complete performance though against the top sides. I mean, we've said before, Murphy and Harris so dangerous on the yeah. wings, aren't they? Clearly, clearly becoming pivotal. So you sort of start to think, Christ, if one of them gets injured, are we fucked? It's a fair point, and not one I particularly considered. But uh, it, it, I, it will happen at some point this yeah, season. Either thought, so. speedy, speedy wingers like like Murphy and Harris, they can easily tweak muscles and be out for five, six weeks. It happens. I'd say fairly often, but it can happen fairly yeah. often to, to those types of players. Um, so, as I say, you know, the fan pointed out there's a pressing from the front. So, I suppose you could put Adam Reach on the wing, though he's been playing more of a central yeah. role recently. But he could easily go on the wing. Constantly. Yeah, and obviously Bannon's coming back in as well, so that might free Reach up um, to do that. Obviously, that's all hypothetical. Just a thought. Yeah want to keep an eye out for uh, a fairly routine win for Wednesday mm-hmm. then but uh, more importantly the Lee Bullen train keeps on rolling uh, some Wednesday fans I've seen on Twitter 
really don't want him to get the job. No. <laughs> but, um, I mean, why? What, he's won three out of four? Yeah. And he probably would have got a result against Millwall had it yeah. not been for Millwall. It's hard, it's hard to <laughs> read too much into that. But why don't you think he hasn't? Why do you think he's not been given the job yet? Uh, I... This might be quite controversial, but maybe the the board are waiting for him to slip up for a poor run of games because... They know, don't want to give him the job. Maybe. But he's earned it, hasn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. I'd campaign for this all day because he's had many a chances, done the business as a caretaker, but not quite been offered the job. He's proved it. He's a good coach because he's been there for years. Shall we start a campaign to, you to try and get Lee Bull on the job? What, like a go f- what crowdfunding? I think like knocking on doors around Hillsborough, that kind of thing. Do you think? Do you think it will work? Does what? Does the owner live around Hillsborough in one of the terrace so. housing? Yeah, I mean, get Cambridge Analytica involved, and what? then Cambridge Analytica get them involved and start going on social media. I, I watched the uh, Netflix oh, documentary okay. the other day. That's why I'm thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about Luton then, because. Um, Luton are now their favourites to be relegated. Mm. Um, have we been slightly blind, do you think, about how good Luton actually are? Because in terms of the underlying data, they have been really poor. And after smashing League One last season, they've not carried that form into this season, have they? No. Um, you're probably fairly on the ball there. I think losing James Justin and Jack Stacey has impacted the way they play. My, my thinking is, you know, you've got Martin Craney on one side and James Bree played left back. I don't think that's the best solution of attacking, marauding fullbacks because that was fairly, I wouldn't say fairly pivotal, but you play a narrow diamond, mm. you need width from the fullbacks. I don't think you get the same quality you do from Martin Craney and right foot James Bree at left back than and you would. Dan Potts previously as well. Yeah, than you would as a. Uh, from James Justin, I know he was right-footed, but he took the left-back quite easily, or Jack Stacey. So that's impacted them, and I think it's taken them longer to transition than I thought. Yeah, and they were two Premier League fullbacks, really, weren't they? I know neither of them have played any games yet in the Premier League, but they are Premier League quality, and they have lost probably the only two players in that side who were Premier League quality. And that's always going to be yeah. a big blow for a team who's just come up to the championship. Absolutely. Um, and I was sort of thinking to myself, has Graham Jones been sort of let down by the, the recruitment slightly? Because what we were saying in the summer is you get rid of your two best players. It's not a massive issue because they've had the funds to replace them, but they haven't really done that. No. Well, they brought in Izzy Brown, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and as we said, James Bray. And I was impressed by that business. They haven't really had a chance to play in their preferred position no. so far but it is also worth remembering Luton have had three tricky games yeah. in the last three fixtures and I'm I'm not sure if I'm I still think there's at least one team who comes straight to my mind about <laughs> who have been poorer than Luton this season yeah. but I do think we might have been a bit generous to them well, give, give, well give, I mean, given how well they played last season, I think we expected them to make the step up a bit quicker. Um, they haven't done that. Um, as I've said previously, performance matter 
at the start of the season. We're not quite getting that from Luton, but it's too early to tell who's going to go down. Um, yeah, but we can right now. We can make calls on who we think look like going down. We can which make, we'll get on we to can in make a observations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on then to. Uh, two teams we expect to be challenging for the top six this season. Derby 1, Bristol 2. Yep. Uh, Andy Vyman and Josh Brownhill with the goals. Uh, we have been asked to stop saying Bristol and say Bristol City instead. Bristol City? Yeah. Bristol City? Yeah, instead of Bristol. City? Because apparently that's a rugby team. I mean, Do they I, I think sec- 95% of our listeners will know who we mean if you say Bristol, not the rugby team. But. Yeah, but we want to make people happy. We're always about making people happy. So it's Bristol City. Unless we're predicting teams to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which always goes down well on Twitter. Well, the story of this game is Bristol scored both their goals in the first half, then kept Derby out for the majority of the second half, besides a beautiful goal by Jack Marriott. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll get onto that in a sec. But Bristol looked really good, didn't they, here? It was a a strange game because, in one sense, Bristol were... They were amazing. They They were brilliant. Um, defensively solid um, the, the the wing backs they, they press high force force the second goal force Maloney into making that ridiculous turn on the edge of his box which is criminal um, the, the look you gave me then showed you were being very serious I, well being a defender by trade myself you don't turn defender, on the edge of your give over I, I know I know how to clear a ball you're playing the Taverners League. Anyway. Where were we? <laughs> Results like these are a real statement though, aren't they? Um, yeah, well, beating Derby at home is always a result for away teams just because Derby's home record in the past few years has always been fairly strong. It's been up there as one of the best. Um, Bristol haven't won there for a long time as well. So this result for them is, as you say, is massive. And the way they played, you know, they set traps that led to the errors to the goals. Um, so those those mistakes weren't necessarily... Um, well, Malone's was shit defending, and it was poor defending, but they forced him into the mistakes. Um, it, was, it was a really good performance. I'm, I'm oozing over the Bristol performance. Yeah, and the player who really stood out for me is Han Noah Masango, 18 years old. I have a theory that players with something notes about them stand out more so for example if David Luiz plays well or badly then you notice it more because he has long hair but I think in this case even though Masengo does have a massive afro he deserved the praise because he's absolutely quality he again the whole forcing into mistakes he was he was key to that press into the central areas for you know he pushed Dowell um, you know forced Dowell into a few areas Tom Holderson who is one of the best passers in the league made him look bang average. Tom Huddleston does look like he's constantly running in treacle, though. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Any, anyone who watches Derby this season, keep and just watch Tom Huddleston. It looks like he's got lead boots on. It's amazing. <laughs> anyway, we're not, we're not talking about Tom Huddleston. We're talking about Masengo. And it's got to be said, he's there permanently too. He's only yeah. 18. And we praised Bristol's business. Mm-hmm to bring in De Silva and Callas yeah. but Masengo could be the best business of the lot came out of nowhere because I'd never heard of him I didn't hear about him until um, the team sheet on Tuesday night so that transfer completely passed me by um, and I'm glad it did because you sort of think who? 
and then you sort of see, see his performance and then you go Christ this guy's a player yeah absolutely let's move on uh, Middlesbrough 1 Wigan nil. some belong with the goal Nathan on Twitter says a very valuable first win for Johnny Woodgate pretty average on the whole but three points at home has hopefully eased the pressure on the players and yeah he's right isn't he it was yeah. a much needed win for Jonathan Woodgate the, the two most important things for Woodgate was getting a win and getting a clean sheet because that defence has been fairly shaky yeah um, and as well as that you know they haven't won a game yet so this the pressure off Woodgate now would be massive and this could be a building point for Borough as I said at the weekend well I, I don't think there's too really too much to say about this so far because we can't get too excited Wigan have been really poor so far this season uh, but Millwall and Reading are their next two home games and if you're a Middlesbrough team who I imagine are aiming to finish in the top half mm-hmm. you'd expect six points wouldn't you yeah I'd say so but Reading's form's turned around um, and Mil- we all know what Millwall can do yeah. yeah unless they don't fancy closing down you're not letting go of that are you it's frustrating <laughs> well Wigan then we caused a bit of controversy <laughs> earlier in the week amongst the Wigan fan base after our comments uh, just to clarify we're not saying we're going to go down. We're saying after the games we're going to have played so far, they look like the team most likely to go down. And results like this don't help themselves. No, you've got, you've got a team like Middlesbrough who are low on confidence and Very low conceding confidence. goals. And not playing well. And not playing well, not creating too many chances. The game was there to be won. I know Wigan have struggled themselves, but that should give you confidence alone. And... To only manage a few touches in the box in that game is pretty poor. Yeah, and w- Wigan's home form is a key contributing factor to why we're so pessimistic about their chances mm-hmm. this season because they are so, 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 so bad away from home, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that can be you, you sort you start to travel to away games and you don't have any belief at all. That can start seeping into your home games. You know, you've got to you've got to start. Doing doing more um, away from home. The, the, you've got to find a system that gets the best out of Jamal Lowe because looking at his heat map, um, the, positionally wasn't really sort of what I expected from Lowe. The, obviously, the width was in the the, the wing backs. Yeah. They play for it at the back. Jamal Lowe didn't really have an impact going forward. I mean, the Wigan team didn't at all. No. And it's it's quite weird that because they played with the front three of Jamal Lowe, Gavin Massey, and Kiefer Moore. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty decent front three, but yeah. they only had one shot on target. Yeah, it surprised me. Obviously, I, you expect Kiefer Moore to be able to get on the end of crosses. He's got a hat load for Barnsley, didn't yeah. he? Uh, Jamal Lowe was quality at Pompey last season. Mm-hmm. They should be doing all right, but it's just not working. And there are now calls for Paul Cook to be sacked. And can you blame them? <sighs> the, I mean, the away form last season was poor, and it's it's filtered through to this season um, and as well as that obviously they they lost at home on Saturday as well didn't they yes I think so okay <laughs> I can't remember um, anyway they lost at home on Saturday I think yeah it was, it was a long time ago yeah because they got three points against Cardiff and yeah. haven't got any points yeah. since um, so I'm not I'm not particularly surprised it's, it's too early in the season because we're still in August you say that there's sacked. so many there's so many managers who are under pressure 
and look like they could lose their jobs within a couple of matches. And we've already had one manager lose his job already. It's mental, isn't it, that there's so many managers who are already that's, at the risk of being sacked. That's just championship summed up for you, though, isn't it? There's so much- I mean, can you really argue with the managers who are in trouble at the moment? I'd argue that Nathan Jones is unlucky because his, his players let him down. But then you look at Paul Cook, it's, it's a flip of the coin, basically. So you look, on one side, you've got Nathan Jones, whose team's performing relatively well, they're creating chances... You know, players let him down with mistakes, and then you go to Wigan. They're not creating chances. They're attacking players poor, and, and they're be, just being generally crap. Yeah. Um, so can't be surprised, no. no but no. yeah. Well, let's talk West Brom Reading then. This ended one all after a late Kenneth Sahor penalty mm-hmm. rescued a point for the Albion. Start scoring him now, won't he? Do you think? <laughs> uh, Joe on Twitter says West Brom put in another decent performance, but just seem a bit goal shy. Sawyers was sloppy in the first half. Uh, off chances created should have won the game, but Reading played well, especially the Triple M centre back Morrison. Oh, um, and then Miatska off- and more. Yeah, that's it. Jario <laughs> uh, impressive. Uh, Pereira great off the bench, and Sahor getting a goal. Uh, Albion Moorfield, they probably could have won this mm-hmm. uh, because Charlie Austin missed a golden chance, and then Okadev uh, Sahor also had a good one. And it's weird. Because West Brom were just so good going forward last season yeah. and shaky at the back. They're another team who seem to have swapped roles this season. I'm talking about Brentford as well. Mm, I, well, I guess. Um, but I think I I find, or I think this season, West Brom have got the perfect balance between attack and defence. So I, I, I disagree slightly with you there. Um, I think Billich pointed it out himself. The problem last night was just not putting chances away because they were there, they created them, they got into positions to score them. And as just, I say, they did have, they yeah. did have two great chances. It, it just didn't quite happen. And sometimes, you know, it's a fine margin in football, yeah. as we know. And it is worth pointing out, Reading have massively improved. Yeah. In fact, the results weren't going their way, but at the same time, their performances weren't actually as bad as I thought they were anyway no. I mean the Cardiff game we all know what happened there mm-hmm. absolutely tore Cardiff a yeah. new one and then just individuals seem to have just upped their game I yeah. mean the triple M defence yeah. without we mentioned and then Ovia Jaria looked absolutely quality in this game and he got a goal as well and had a beautiful goal as well Oh yeah, and goal. it's just incredible that this is a player who was at Reading a uh, couple of seasons ago now I think was it Red, uh, last Rangers season. no Rangers last season did yeah, he go back he, he went, went back as well didn't he, he went to yeah of course <laughs> and yeah he didn't do anything last season was alright when he was at Reading before yeah and now he looks absolutely quality and it'll be interesting to see if he keeps up that form uh, you'd hope so he's, he, I wouldn't say he'll be key to their sort of attacking play but he's certainly a player that's got that quality and when you've got John Swift as well that team's got a fair bit of potential going forward yeah. and then you've got Pushkas um, we still don't know how good know. he's going to be but start like a house on fire against Cardiff yeah, absolutely and, and they got Pele the Pele the Pele the Pele maybe not the Pele well it's, yes the Portuguese Pele the central it, defensive midfielder a Pele let's move on <laughs> we're running out of time and Charlton won Forest won uh, Lau Taylor scored again 
before Adoma scored in the second half. Ryan on Twitter says Forrest were woeful in the first half and dropped too deep and wide men didn't cover the fullbacks, leading to Charlton having overloads. Mm-hmm. They panicked in possession, game became scrappy second half. Charlton got were the better side over 90 minutes, so pleased to get a point. And it was a fairly even game. Yeah, I'd say Charlton had the first half and Forrest had the second, pretty much. Um, a draw was a fair result, as you say, it's, but to let's be absolutely honest Charlton Char- Char- being honest uh, being unbeaten is no fluke oh yeah absolutely absolutely and Lau Taylor scoring again yeah. I mean we were having a chat before the podcast started about do we think he might leave in January if he keeps scoring there's a big risk there but what I said to you was we are talking about someone who's 29-30 yeah and Charlton are definitely going to ask for at least 6 million for him Who's going to pay that? Is my I, question. I'll be honest with you. A team who's gunning for that top six and uh, they've got a proven goal scorer. Well, Brentford will link with them. Yeah. So the team gunning for the top six around Christmas, there, there will be that he will be on everybody's uh, hit list of strikers yeah. that they want to sign. It's not like Nick Blackman, where he's just a flurry of goals. And he gets a big move and does nothing for what three years. What a random player to pick out out of be- all the strikers. Because, because this, this is a good point, you know. He, he just one good run of form, whereas Lyle Taylor is a proven goal scorer. Okay, okay, I see. I see. <laughs> Maybe it's not as random. I just wanted. I just wanted to get Nick Blackman in the podcast. You can never have enough Nick Blackman <laughs> in the pod. Uh, let's uh, move on because as I said we are running out of time a bit um, Hall nil, Blackburn 1 Derek Williams with the goal Gareth on Twitter says it's good to see Blackburn keep another clean sheet especially against a Hall side that looked full of goals uh, Williams Lenahan partnership looks promising mm-hmm. Cunningham Downing Travis and Johnson were excellent long may it continue and you know we were talking about Blackburn's defence after the first couple of games of the season Blackburn fans were very concerned about the defence but it looks like They've got it sorted now. Other than it's funny, yeah, it's really funny we say we say that because other than Williams, um, I think Elliot Bennett was the second highest rated player <laughs> um, for oh, in the defence for Blackburn, which is a huge surprise uh, or a huge turnaround in, in second in highest form. based on what? May I ask? It was on who scored, oh, just okay. overall rating. Yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. So yeah, as you say, it's a huge turnaround, and again, similar to Borough. The most important thing for Blackburn, especially in the last two games, is to get the win and get the clean sheet just to settle their defence and obviously get the three points on the board. Yeah, and w- as we say, they brought in Derek Williams and brought in Greg Cunningham. Mm-hmm. They've also got Adara Bayo, who was injured in for this game but might come back at the weekend. It just looks like a much more solid defence, doesn't it? And we said before, we thought Lenihan's performances were being dragged down because he was playing alongside... Yeah. Not a great standard of defence, but now it looks like Blackburn have sorted this, and it's now two wins in two. We might be seeing the Blackburn that we're expecting at the start of the season. Well, building from the back is 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 going to be vital um, for any team, and more so Blackburn because how poorly they played in the first um, couple of games, especially defensively. Um, I mean, they kept Jared Bowen down to twenty six touches on Hull uh, on Hull the other night. It's late. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is sort of a testament to how well defensively they were. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is worth saying, it, even though it was a great a great win, it, they were perhaps lucky to get the three points because Bowen did miss a penalty. Mm-hmm. And Leonardo De Silva-Lopez missed a great chance right at the end. Um, from the Hall perspective, don't think there's really too much to say. It's mm. just, this does 
seem to emphasise the argument in my mind that when Jared Byrne doesn't play well, Hall don't play well. Mm. I get there is argument for that. I'm look, just looking at Tom Eves again with with the touches in. He had 15 touches all game and just one inside the box. So yeah, they, he's they not very, really got going yet. Has no, he? I, it's, he might just need a goal. Um, yeah. Strikers all as all strikers do. I he's not scored yet either. No, Jared Burns just got to pass it, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final game then is Birmingham two Barnsley nil. Djokovic and Alvaro Jimenez with the goals. Birmingham City uh, looked comfortable. I've um, wrote down this tweet, but I didn't put whoever's name it was. So, so sorry for sending this in but not including your name Birmingham City looked comfortable never troubled by Barnsley in part because they were just so bad and also because we went back to our usual wing back formation it seems to be our best formation hard to tell where we're going this season I am optimistic though there says are. the mystery Birmingham fan the, on Twitter the mystery Brumme. Um it's, it's weird because quite a few teams have adopted the three at the back this season and it seems to be playing um, dividends in terms of performances and obviously it worked for Birmingham on the opening day and it's worked again for them this week Yeah, um, it obviously gives them a chance to put in both strikers as well as that quality in midfield that we know they've got David Davis <laughs> Sonjic and Villalba <laughs> I'm going to presume David Davis for sarcasm no I can't tell if you're actually being sarcastic <laughs> now or not. But the one thing that um, Birmingham fans have been pointing out is, you know, Duke performed a lot better last season when he was in a front yeah. two. And now he's got Jimenez alongside him. But you've got a goal from you. you. I presume you've got to stick with that, really, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. And as well as that, with the with the wing-backs, you've, who played very well on um, Tuesday night, as it may, um, when you've got wing-backs like that, there's opportunities, one, to get behind teams to put the balls in when you're overloading in the wide areas, or you can put in a deep cross. And we all know Lukas Djokovic loves a back-post header. He heads bricks. Yeah. Well, he would head a brick if he had the chance. Uh, then Barnsley, uh, Craig on Twitter says, more teething problems uh, with the new young group of players. Passed it around well at times. But once again, the architects of our own downfall mm-hmm. via defensive errors. It also didn't work. Birmingham's keeper once, which is absolutely right. They only had two shots in this whole game. And I feel like we were very positive about Barnsley at the start of the season. And we might be falling into the same trap that we did with Fallen with Luton. (laughs) Maybe not to as big an extent, but Barnsley, I can't see them being anywhere other than the bottom half. I think the Bar- the Barnsley fan probably pointed out perfectly they're architects of their own downfall, yeah. um, and that I think that stems right to their summer business as well in the sense that they got rid of a lot of key players and they brought in a lot of young players. Well, they got rid of the the yeah. defensive trio, didn't they? Of yeah. Adam Davis in goal, yeah. Pinnock and Lindsay, yeah. which is not great no. to get rid of three. You know, important players yeah. like that, especially when they're as talented as those three are. Absolutely, and perhaps they have replaced them with other talented players. But again, as the Barnsley fan pointed out, they're young; they need time. You don't necessarily get that with the championship just because 
it's very unforgiving, as all yeah. the pundits say. Yeah. Another cliche for you. I, no, I said it was all the pundits say. No, I'm counting that as a cliche. It's a cliche. But I, I do look at this Barnsley team on paper and think it is still quite an exciting team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Luke Thomas and Malik Wilkes. Malik Wilkes hasn't gotten the score sheet yet, but he's definitely been threatening the goal. I think he's, yeah. I think he's up there for the most shots without scoring yet this season. Mm-hmm. So they are performing well to an extent it's just about you know getting more points on the board it's, well, it's, it's raw talent isn't it yeah yeah absolutely well I think that just about sums up everything then Justin this has been the first midweek episode of the season we are only going to be doing these when it's say uh, when there's games in the midweek don't, don't get don't be expecting them too much but I mean if there is a demand for them we might we might you never know you never know uh, but we have got jobs so there you yeah. go. Jobs and lives. <laughs> Jobs and lives. <laughs> Always the most important parts of... I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be back on Sunday and you can look forward to us then. As always, you know, uh, let us know what you thought of your team's performances yeah. on Twitter. We'll always try to include any reviews from fans in the episode. So do let us know. Uh, we'll be doing another recall of your reviews of your team's performance on Sunday so get involved and as always review us all that jazz on Twitter all of it all of it well I've been Ryan Dilks I'm really tired goodbye Let's do all right.